We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, the Nets picked up a big dub at home over the Jazz, 114-106. How are we feeling? Six out of seven, baby, if we went for the crypto devil, we'd have <laughs> seven in a row. So let's keep going with this one. KD's the king. Yeah, KD was awesome in this game. Obviously, Nick Claxton, Bruce Brown, Patty Mills had some juice, and we're going to jump to that in plenty more. Make sure you check the Buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, where do we start? We need to start with Kev, Nick, because this man is just the efficiency king, the efficiency goat, and he had like three, let's just go through the stat line, 37 points, 15 of 23 from the field, four of seven from three, only three of three from the free throw line, did have nine boards, eight assists, a steal, only the four turnovers, really cleaned that part of his game up today as well, and he trash talking whether guys were too little whether he was saying who the hell are these mother effers can't swear because i am at work and there are children right outside me i would be saying it if i was at home i swore on the last pod uh, but nick this there's just something about kd he's the best he's the best in the world right now and if you didn't watch tonight's game that was a reminder yeah it was a masterpiece you know like you said 37 points but also the eight assists and probably four out of those eight assists were just pure dimes you know, just passes that were really on point. And like you mentioned, I think he did a better job of cleaning up the turnovers. You know, there were still a couple in there. But when you have the ball as much as he does, it's going to happen. And there was just an array of ridiculous shots. You know, that one at the end of the shot clock in the corner that he was fading into the corner to knock down that three. Incredible. You know, consistently knocking down pull-up threes. You know, it was kind of disrespectful when they switched Hassan Whiteside on the KD. And also, you know, it is 2022 and they had Rudy Gobert and Hassan Whiteside trying to defend him in a pick and roll. It wasn't going to work. You know, just too easy for him. Royce O'Neal did as good a job as he could. Tried to be overly physical. Really didn't matter. And like you alluded to, you know, KD with his little tiny signature on him, muscling him into the paint, getting his fadeaway shot. Just everything was working. He looked so confident and so comfortable. And I think he was almost relieved that Utah wasn't doubling him to the same extent that most teams have recently. You know, they really didn't start doing it to the fourth quarter. And that honestly hampered them because Seth Curry left this game after the first quarter after a fall. So I'm not sure what the thinking was from Quinn Snyder in this one. Yeah, look, we've seen it despite the fact that Kevin Durant doesn't like it. It's been successful. Yeah. Doubling the best players, you know, 
put forces the ball out of his hands. But because of his passing side, Nick, I think he probably was just he was in that mode, and, and you yeah. could sort of see it. You know, some of the dimes to whether it was Blake that clutch alley oop to Nicholas Claxton, they had a really nice chemistry yep. tonight. Nice to see Blake out there as well. There was just he was just on one. He was it was making his name known, and he's made his name known plenty of times. If you don't remember, it's Kevin Wayne Durant, ladies and gentlemen, KWD, the Slim Reaper. There's just no not not much more that can be said about this guy. If he was out there for the for the full 82 games this season, there is no doubt in my mind that he is the bona fide MVP. He's the best player in the league. He doesn't need the MVP to validate that. He said that he threw a, a few different names out there. Luca was saying today, you know, there's just something about him. It's just everything is so easy for him. Easy money. Easy money. And he was 15 to 23 from the field. And at least, you know, 10 or 12 of these attempts are just ridiculous. Like just contested shots. There's just that one that he hit where his left foot was the pivot foot. And he kind of caught Royce O'Neal off balance, but it was still like heavily contested. And he shot with just like purely his upper body. Just really, really tough stuff. And like you said, like Lucas said, like too many shots look so casual. It just looks so easy. Like he was made to play basketball. And it's just really fun to watch. And you just, just don't take it for granted. And like you said, you know, if he was healthy all season, I think the MVP is his because no disrespect to the guys that played tonight, but the guys that were out, you know, Kyrie Irving's out, Seth Curry's out, Ben Simmons out, Joe Harris is out, LaMarcus Aldridge is out, Andre Drummond is out, and they're going against the Utah Jazz, the fourth seed in the Western Conference. And I don't know, something about KD when he's playing with like Kess and Clax, like I feel like there's like some different type of energy. There's just some real happiness and some real joy. And we saw KD kind of get into like that real trash talk mood tonight and also just get into that like hype mood where this game meant something to him. Yeah, he loves the clays. So I, yeah. I think that that's something that's really, really cool to see. And I can't wait. Hopefully, he's at that game for the Indiana Pacers. Hope the Nets don't rest him or see the plane or, or whatever it is. But in saying that, I think Blake wicks a bit of that joy too yeah. as well. I think there's something about his personality on and off the court that brings that. But this sort of reminds you a little bit of, of early season games where Katie was by himself because of COVID protocols yep. and so many other players and, and James Harden being out and Kyrie Irving being out. And he just loves the way to, he just loves leading this team. We've heard Sean Mark say it as well. Him just leading, you know, th this team, he is a, a true leader. And I think that, this might be the best basketball he's ever played. And that's hard to say for a guy who's got two finals MVPs and a regular season MVP to go with it. There's just an age just 33. You know, he's defying the age curve in a similar way to LeBron James is doing. And he's doing it in, in such an effortless way, as we sort of alluded to. It's just a goddamn joy to watch. I, I feel like I should be paying more on my NBA league pass to watch him play. He, like, there's a special <laughs> fee for Kevin Durant. Like, there's Kevin Durant fees. And if there was, I'd be paying every single cent. Yeah. A KD subscription. I think you talked about this with Shane on the weekend pod, and it's just kind of his wisdom. Like, athletically, he's not obviously at his peak. He's coming off a torn Achilles. He's 33 years old. But from his understanding of the game and what he's doing and just his skill, like uh, they were talking about on the broadcast, like, Royce O'Neal just didn't know what he was going to do. He can go left, he can go right, he can go straight up for the shot. He has you truly off balance. And not a lot of players in the NBA can say that. There's not really a weakness to his game. Yeah, his ball handling isn't as crispy as, you know, Kyrie Irving's. But for his size, it's as good as it gets. No, I think then uh, as well, am I right in saying that I think the Nets are 6-2 and two with Kevin Durant and without the other two superstars, you know, taking James Harden out of the equation. But I think I saw that somewhere on Twitter. Don't quote me on it. But, you know, obviously he's, I think this season in his career, you know, he's 32 and 14, you know, without Kyrie Irving. And a lot of that is just Kevin Durant because yep. he's just so 
insanely brilliant. Like it's, uh, I, I, I really need to start reading a thesaurus and, and start finding some synonyms for Kevin Durant because the superlatives, we're running out of him and he's just so impactful. And, and like we sort of said, the personality that he's playing with right now, yep. this seems to me that, and you know, we heard him talk to ESPN and some other reporters today speaking about, you know, how, his his desire to do it long term. He doesn't really care if the Nets don't, you know, win it all this year. You know, he's going to be here for the next five years. And to hear him say that, that was just special. Like to yeah. know to the, how committed he is to this franchise. To have one of the best players ever, one of the ten best players to ever step foot on the court, wants to be a Brooklyn Net, and he's probably going to finish his career as a Brooklyn Net. So your most recent chapter, and he's had plenty of great chapters along the way. It's a hell of a book, pretty goddamn exciting. A lot of page turners, but he just has this desire, this fit. This love for BK, uh, it's something else, Nick. Yeah, and he he said he wants to build something in Brooklyn. He wants to kind of take the organization to the next level. Like you said, I mean, it's rare that you hear something on, you know, March 21st that makes you so happy in an NBA season. But hearing that from Kevin Durant just gives you confidence. And really, you know, obviously we want the Nets to win a championship. And if they don't, it'll be a failure. But at the end of the day the level of enjoyment that we get from just watching Kevin Durant and having this team and also just having the Nets like up, like they're not the laughing stock of the NBA. They're not this disrespected organization. They're getting respected because they have Kevin Durant and what he's doing on the floor. And just one more quick note defensively, you know, his point of attack defense isn't, been super ideal i think obviously it'll turn up in the postseason but his off-ball defense his use of length has just been huge especially when he's out there with some other good defenders we saw him get minutes you know you sh shot me the tweet obviously saw during the game him bruce brown kess and clax and then even having Gorn out there you feel good about it because even Gorn, who's not a great defender he's still smart enough to understand what he can and can't do the other guys they're all quick they're all athletic and they have length and bruce is just just a energizer bunny, just everywhere on the court and just constant, constant, constant energy. You, just, you love to see it. I think defensively, we saw some real promise in this game. Definitely. And and the defensive talent. Nicholas Claxton, Bruce Brown, Kessler Edwards, I think was a bit more locked in defensively, despite, you know, for a few rookie brain farts here and there. Also, shout out to Kevin Rand for passing Jerry West, yeah. who is now 22nd all-time in scoring. If that man was healthy, he'd be number one. You know, there is no more efficient, great player than he is. And shout out to LeBron James for going second. But if our man KD was there, you know, he'd be still in that mantle. He's the greatest scorer that we've ever seen. You know, yeah. oh, I'm going to put it out there, Nick. That, you know, Daryl Morey might think otherwise about his fat bearded bloke out there in Philadelphia. <laughs> but Kevin Durant, to me, is the greatest scorer in the history of the game. He can do everything with the ball in his hands. And he's become more than a scorer. And thank you, Golden State for, and Steve Kerr, for instilling that level of playmaking into him and the defensive intensity. He's a complete basketballer. Yeah, and I think when his pull-up three is on and he's knocking down his three-point shot, I think that's when he just gets to another level it, where it's just it's, so much tougher. It's weird, Nick, because I remember looking it up the other day. I think I did tweet it out that I think he's like 40% on pull-up threes or 41%, but he's in like 34 or 35% on catch-and-shoot threes. It's just weird. Like, yeah. I've sort of noticed that as well. I think aesthetically probably a lot of other Nets fans have too. And it's just like, he can hit any shot. And it seems to me that like, he likes to hit the difficult ones a little bit more. Yeah. And that pull-up that pull three, you know, that he hit against um, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers is one of his signature shots in his career. And just that pull-up in general is just a signature shot. He's done it five, ten times this year. You know, I think he's done a couple of times against, you know, the, the Philadelphia 76ers. He did it tonight against the the Jazz. He just did has the big that. one against Dallas that gave the Nets a lead for a few seconds. 
Yeah, but <laughs> let's okay, like, let, let's keep the vibes good, man. Let's keep the vibes. What's the vibe? The vibes be immaculate tonight. Thank you, Mr. Mills. But he was awesome. But, you know, we could spend a lot of time on, on discussing Kim and Durant, Nick. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Who was the second best player tonight? Because Clax, Bruce Brown certainly have a case. My boy Paddy was out there for, for some good stretches as well. Who was that second best player tonight? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I almost want to give it a tie to Bruce Brown and Nick Claxton. Maybe you give the edge to to Bruce because of just his intensity and obviously he career did career high for him as well, Nick. Twenty two career high or I think it's a career high or a season high. I need to season check. high, season high, because he did score twenty nine against Sacramento last year. I remember right. he was. You, he, I just remember it because he was like one point from thirty. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Green uh, was the one telling. We're doing the faces like twenty nine. Yeah, twenty. So season high for him. And look, he was uh, incredible. And and this consistency from him is almost surprising me in a way, Nick. Yeah, I mean, he's also just adding like little elements to his game. We saw a couple post moves tonight. We saw some drives in the lane where he went at uh, Herman Gomez just right at the chest and got the N1. Nine free throws for Bruce Brown, more than Kevin Durant, which just doesn't seem right. But credit Bruce also for just attacking in transition. If he sees one person in transition, he does not really care who it is. He's going to attack the rim. He also did a good job of understanding when to attack Gobert and not attacking Gobert. And uh, Mitchell did finish, I think, with 30 in this game. But most of that didn't happen with Bruce Brown on him. And honestly, a lot of it was just heaves. He didn't shoot well. You know, Mitchell was 9 of 23 from the field, 5 of 15 from three. 
and Bruce forced a lot of those misses just with his physicality because Donovan is such a, a a nice athlete. Like he's so elusive coming off that pick where you're not going to be able to chase him. You almost have to meet him with a bump. And Bruce nailed it so many times in this game where he was able to get back in the play and get back in position. And that's one of his like we speak about Kevin Durant with signature shots. Donovan Mitchell off a pick, getting the pull up three off that screen from Rudy Gobert or Hassan Whiteside. It's pretty good. We're pretty goddamn lucky to have one of the great guard navigators of the the screen in the NBA because he's just so you know, such great upper strength, up, upper body strength, and he has you know savviness to slide through screens to go under at the right times. Uh, he's an incredibly smart defender. You know, it's weird to say because I'll occasionally go to his bar, bar, basketball reference that I've been doing a little bit more often. He's like 23 or 24 years old as well like this is like yeah. his third or fourth nba season and he's earning himself a big payday as is nicholas claxton in that for the record he did have 22 points to go with seven boards five assists seven to 14 from the field as nick mentioned seven and nine from the free throw line also chucking a little steal there as well he's filling up box scores night after night after night nick and he's playing like a true basketballer like you know i think i'll, I'll steal the words from people that are smarter than me kevin ran a little bit smarter than me when it comes to basketball and he just said bruce is playing like a, a basketballer and he's doing everything and one thing i'm really liking is he's finishing around the rim mm. and the aggression to get to the rim he's just like okay well i've got pace i've got athleticism I've got some hops. I'm going to have a little bit of craft around here. And obviously, early in the year, we saw just you know pretty abhorrent misses from him and that yep. were very uncharacteristic. This seems to me the, the, the characteristic Bruce Brown that we know and love. Yeah, it feels like he's just playing basketball. Like, there are those layups that we're alluding to that he missed early in the year. He was, like, stopping short instead of just, like, completing a, a normal layup, just, like, playing fluid in how he's played his whole life. And, you know, like you said, it's been consistent. It feels like every night we're getting 15-5-5 five, and five from Bruce. You know, it's like 22, obviously, is a little bit more, and occasionally you'll get more rebounds. And some nights you'll get, you know, three or four steals, a couple blocks, whatever it is. He's just contributing in a lot of ways, and he's just getting back to being that impact defender where he's slowing down or forcing a bad shooting night from the uh, to the opposing star so credit him and hopefully he can keep this up i think he will it just the level of confidence that he has right now you can just see it on the court no definitely and confidence is everything in, in basketball and he's got that swagger he's got that attitude he's sort of you know got a similar sort of vibe to, to kd and that like yep. you know he He's a bit of a silent assassin, but when he's out there, you know, and he wants to have a bit of a chat, bit of a chirp, you know, he'll he'll get in your face a little bit. But Nick Claxton tonight, Nick. Clax City, Clax City, Clax City. I don't know if the the reservations, you know, some of the Airbnbs, the, the, the sold the prices, out. Sold out. The, the hotels, there's no rooms available. If you want to buy property, you know, you better get in quick because some of the land is being absolutely taken up uh, by the, so uh, He's just, Nick Claxton is growing and flourishing before our eyes. And, this might be close to a career game from him. Yeah, I mean, I was really excited to see what Clax could do when we got the news Drummond was out, and he just came to play. He matched the performance in every way possible. I mean, there's the one stretch in the game. This is just like pure Nick Claxton. He blocks Gobert on the layup, turns, talks trash to Gobert, and then sprints down court, beats him <laughs> position, and then throws a dunk down on him. I was just like, yo, that is just the the probably the best stretch maybe in Clack's career because Rudy Gobert, no matter what you think of him, he's one of the best centers in the NBA, one of the best shot blockers. He's huge. He's over seven feet tall. And Clax really just took his lunch on that defensive possession and that offensive possession. And it was just, wow. That was, yeah, wow is, is probably the best way of putting it, Nick. It's, it, and it's interesting because I sort of alluded to, you know, the attitude that Bruce Brown has. Claxton's got this swagger as well. And it's just a, a joy to watch for him. The fans to go love out him there. too at Barclays. 
Oh, man, I can't wait to see, you know, so many of these guys play, but I've never seen, I don't think I've seen Nicholas Claxton play either live, and I can't wait to, to see that happen as well. He's doing more than just what we know from him yep. and has been sort of just like, you know, that sort of switch defender. Like you alluded to, blocking Rudy Gobert, who has been an amazing at-room finisher this season. Half of 98% of his shots come there, and he finishes probably 85% of them. I don't have the stats with me right now, but you look at the six rebounds and you look at the four assists, the steal and the two blocks, 15 points. As Kevin Durant said, he's becoming more than just you know, the, the the sort of defensive stopper, that sort of wing utility sort of guy. He's doing so much. And those assists, you know, him in the short roll looks really good now. At the start of the game where he had an offensive foul for a really weird call on, a, on an illegal screen, I'm just like, oh, man, is this going to, like, turn into one of those sort of things? But that's one thing I, I, I really saw and I was really happy to sort of see from Clax, the willingness to show some physicality out there because he's still a big dude. You're still 6'10", and he's still, you know, strong enough. Uh, he's just got the the athleticism and the versatility to go with it. He's a really special player, and you know, um, there's a part of me that's just like, man, he's playing so good that the Nets aren't going to be able to afford him and Bruce and and that sort of things. And hopefully, Joe's willing to go deep into the to the packet, deep into the pockets, because uh, we need some of these guys. And I alluded to the stat the other day with Bruce Brown, Kevin Durant. Uh, and Nicholas Clax on the floor, then it's like plus 43 in net rating when those guys play together, like under 89 or under 85 or something like that, and like 127 on offense. That number would have probably gone up a little bit tonight because there's just a, an innate you know, ability for those three to just play quality, quality basketball. Clax City, this is probably a top three game, probably easily. You can yeah. make a, a really credible argument that it might be, it might have been his best. I think one thing that a couple things stick out for Clax. One, he is so fast. For a big, he is fast, like real, real fast. Like I'm talking guard fast. Like there is a play in this game where it felt like the Jazz were about to have a transition opportunity and he comes out of nowhere and gets in position and outruns everybody to stop the break. And it's just like, that's just so rare. And another thing you kind of mentioned, the strength and the physicality, something he's been doing better offensively is rolling all the way to the rim and then sealing and now putting the guard on his back and allowing himself to get in a spot that he feels comfortable, specifically getting to a, a spot where he can use that left hand. We saw him finish an and one finish over Rudy Gobert tonight. Another thing Clax does is that you mentioned like the hype, the energy he brings. It feels like he's trying to go super saiyan after he dunks the ball. Like he gets in the stands, he's all like charged up. And like I said, it's great for the arena. It feels like he really brings some different energy. Just athletic body types tend to do that to fan bases because they have the exciting plays. They have the dunks, they have the blocks and that's what he does. It's NWA. It's Nets with attitude. <laughs> yeah, look, I, like I, I, I very quickly clarified myself there, Nick. Very, very quickly. And I think that I just came up with it because we were talking so much about the, the personality of this team you know, in relation to Bruce Brown, in relation to Kevin Durant, in relation to Nick Claxton. Those three are, are, are three guys where you think about what are the Nets like at their best. You've got Nick Claxton dominating on both ends of the floor. You've got Bruce Brown chipping in uh, on the perimeter and doing everything that he does. You've got Kevin Durant dominating like he's the best player in the world. And there's Kyrie Irving, Seth Curry, and so many other play players on the sideline as well. It just shows you that, and I think Kevin Durant just elevates them as well. Yep. I think that when you see the best player do the best player things, it's just like, well, I need to lift my game. I need to elevate to a level where KD trusts me. KD trusts so many of these guys out there, whether you're David Duke Jr. or Kessler Edwards, or you're Nick Claxton, Patty Mills, or whoever else. So um, the way that those two played tonight, yeah, I, I probably... 
maybe go with Bruce just because of the scoring output and 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 having to guard Donovan Mitchell for you know some uh, some greater possessions. But Nick Claxton was immense. Yeah, I mean they both were great, and like you said. I think this is a compliment to KD is because he's so versatile, can play so many different ways. It allowed Nash to really kind of change the scheme and the offense after the James Harden trade and really start to push the pace, push the ball movement, push the player movement. And that just allows a lot of guys to play better, especially young athletes. Like you mentioned, Bruce, not being old, under 25 years old, clack still fresh legs, allowing these guys to play a style that suits them best is allowing them to play their best basketball. So some credit to the coaching staff and Steve Nash, because I think the style of play has been drastically different since the James Harden trade. Just they're leaning into a completely different style of basketball. I think they had 30, 31 assists again tonight, and they're just looking at opportunities. And some of that, too, is the defense is turned up, and they're creating turnovers. They're forcing bad shots, and a lot of that's Nick Claxton, that's Bruce Brown, that's Kevin Durant, and that was also Kessler Edwards tonight. It's players playing at their best and playing. I think I mentioned this with with Shane as well on on that part. He was great. You know, make sure you follow on everything that Shane does on on Twitter and and his podcast Nets Man Up. The instinct that these guys play with, they're just playing basketball out there. You know, the the ball is moving because you know there's just a better there's a better shooter out there. There's a guy out in transition. They're pushing they're pushing the issue. They're getting stops on defense, whether it's Bruce or Clax or or KD from the help side, or you know they're getting you know uh, long rebounds and, and really trying to just force the issue. They're playing just they're getting easy buckets yep. for a team that is already pretty great offensively when you got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and or Kyrie Irving, sorry. So it's just Seth it Curry. Makes, yeah, like Seth he- Curry as well, Patty Mills, um, when he's you know playing his uh in a bit of form, which he was tonight, and, and and even Blake Griffin. It was just they just seemed to me this team is clicking at the exact right time. And I would if I were a team in the at the top of the east, or if I was in that playing tournament. As long as the Nets have some clean bill of health and as long as they've got Kevin Wayne Durant, that I would watch out. Yeah, I mean, it definitely wouldn't be a team I'd want to see. But like you alluded to, Jack, with just playing basketball. And this is not to be a shot at James Harden or anything like that, but he plays a specific style. He likes to dribble the ball at the key, look for mismatches, run, pick and roll, do his thing. And, and kick I- it out with three to go and make Tobias Harris hit a shot. No, look. Or throw it off to Andre Jordan's head. (laughs) A little yikes, 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 yikes. Uh, But, you know, that's the difference. Like, guys are in rhythm. They're playing a style, and they're they're just, like, in the the zone and feeling confident in what they can do. So it's it's really just fun to watch. Like, it's just a different style, and it's back to being fun basketball, which it it wasn't for, you know, pre-All-Star break majority of the year. No, it wasn't. Nick, we should probably get to some of the other role players before I unfortunately have to leave. I'm sure you'll touch on a bit of the news with Kevin Durant, that piece, as well as Ben Simmons and the herniated disc, which was unfortunate to see as well. But Blake, Kess, Patty Mills, even a little bit of Killer Cam, even a little bit of James Johnson. It seems to me that the role players chipped in at the at the opportune times. Yeah, I mean, let's go with Kessler Edwards, who who's gotten more minutes lately, only played about 11 in this one, stepped up when Seth Curry went down. Finished with five points, two of four from the field, one of one from three. But his defense on Mike Conley was huge. And I think we've talked about this in the past. His body's not really ready for true small forwards. He's better on the ones and the twos because he's able to deal with that level of physicality. And his length, it really has an impact on those guys. And he's pretty good at navigating screens. A couple of times he kind of got caught off, but... I like what Kess can do and every it just makes you think about the idea of him becoming a full time player. I don't think it's going to happen like, you know, you talked with Shane about and we've talked about in the past, but there's definitely something there. And I'm already excited to see what Kessler Edwards can do next season. 
Nick, talk us through that play that you, I think you retweeted it, you know, with Nick Claxton and Kessler Edwards, which is a, a Nets <laughs> fan wet dream, and especially on the defensive end of the floor. Talk us through that pretty, you know, eye-popping play. I mean, this is, we talked about this, I think, when Kessler started playing and we weren't seeing Clax. Clax might have been dealing with a hamstring or something along those lines. And both guys have never really been in sync. Well, tonight we got them both playing at a high level. We have Kessler Edwards, I think it was on Mike Conley, coming down the lane. And he's trapped in between the length of Kess and Clax. And both guys blocked the shot. Clax got it first, Kess blocked it again. And it's just so much length and versatility and athleticism. And that's just what you love to see. And that's usually what good defense is in this current NBA. You know, physicality is great and all, but this is an athletic sport. Switchability, length is, is what you want. Unfortunately, Keston wasn't credited with the block on that one. But yeah, plus 14 in in 11 minutes for Kess. He led, the, led it in that department. As the Nets were able to go on that run in that third quarter, he was you know out there when, when Kevin Durant was cooking and he was throwing dimes to left, right, and center at the same time. So shout out to Kess Express. Yeah, and also shout out to Blake Griffin, a guy who's been out of the rotation, came in tonight and played great. This was a great Blake game. He just did everything the Nets really needed him to, and knocked down a three. You know, obviously, he's great with the dribble handoffs, has a good understanding of what to do in the short roll situation, and he's a great at kind of giving KD that helping hand and you know being an open, being open to you know help Kevin when he's getting doubled, and also just just that energy. There was a play in this game where Blake Griffin dove across the floor head first like mid-air like diving like something you see in like anime or in a video game and he did it real life on a basketball court and i think he had a standing ovation from the fans when he left the game in this one because he's just that guy and he brings that level of energy and it, it's another person that you consider does he get back in the rotation does nash need to find a way to utilize him maybe a little bit more because he was that good tonight and you can see aspects of his game where he can bring value to this team He's a great connector on both yep. ends of the floor. He allows others to flourish in what they do. And there was another play that stuck out to me as well, Nick, forcing a turnover of Mike Conley. He sort of like, you know, does he sort of yep. like sort of little charge slide, but the ball was dribbled out of bounds before that by Mike Conley. It's just the little things, the little things, you know, turn into big things and make the big things grow. And, you know, I think that having him out there, it just seemed to me that Paddy had some better vibes about yep. him tonight as well. He wasn't, Certainly amazing by by any stretch of the word, but he hit a couple of threes, hit a couple of these pull up shots, had a couple of rebounds as well. I just thought that you know there seems to me sometimes we look we we might think too deeply, and maybe I'm thinking a little bit too deeply right now, but there seems to be synergy in different ways when different teammates are out there. Yeah, I mean, I think Blake's also just really good with the ball in his hands. Like he can just perform the dribble handoff a little bit better than the other guys because of the way he angles his body and he dribbles. Obviously, Drummond's a bigger body to get around, but just something about Blake getting the ball to the guy in a position where they feel comfortable. And like you said, Patty wasn't amazing tonight, but this is fine. Like 13 points, 5-11 from the field, 3 of 9 from 3. Two of those big threes came in the fourth quarter. Shout out Rudy Gay, was talking shit to Patty in a playful way, just because obviously for, former teammates he didn't hit any threes in that point. Next two threes, I think he knocked him down. So just maybe gave Patty that little extra juice he needed. Definitely. And look, I, I want to, I think I've got a little bit of time, Nick, before the, the bell goes, I have to get back to, to teaching the youth of, of Melbourne. I wanted to touch on the Ben Simmons thing. I'm sure you'll go through yep. maybe a few more plays, dive into a bit more detail, but we did hear from Sham Sarania that today that they are, the Nets know what's going on with him. He has a herniated disc in his back. So that's the diagnosis. However, it's unclear whether he will return. You know, me, I did a little bit of research on the old herniated disc, and it can be anywhere from four to six weeks, or it can be a couple of days here and there as well. 
And also looked out the old epidural and see what sort of happens with that. Thanks to Mayo Mayfield Clinic for this one. The injection doesn't make a herniated disc smaller. It only works on the nerves, flushing yeah. away the proteins that cause the swelling. Nick probably knows this. About this is literally people, the injury that I had. <laughs> about a million people on Nets Twitter seem to have you know back injuries, and I'm becoming an expert by my <laughs> Googling here. So I'm becoming more and more pessimistic, more and more unlikely that I think we see Ben Simmons play. Kevin Durant seems to be you know fine with it as well. It's cool to see him on the bench as well, but it is it it, it is a little bit disappointing that we didn't know this sooner or whether we didn't hear about it sooner because uh, did he have this in the first place when he when he first came to the team? Did it you know flare up? You know we sort of heard, heard about different flare ups here and there when he sort of did a little bit of practicing. I don't know, but it sucks because I don't think we're going to see Ben Nick. At least I'm not hopeful. But prove me wrong. I'd be happy to be proven wrong and eating my words as well as I ate my lunch today. <laughs> I think I wouldn't rule it out of him coming back, but it's such uh, just a mystery in terms of like a herniated disc because essentially what's happening is your disc is being squished between two vertebrae and like usually it's leaning out one side and the disc needs to slide back in. But what's happening is it's getting squeezed and it's becoming swollen. So now the area is inflamed and it's causing you nerve pain. So really what needs to happen is almost nothing. Like he needs to get treatment. He needs to get rehab and then he has to get back to it. But it's almost like a slow ramp up because if he goes heavy, now he can just instantly re-aggravate it because soon as you herniate a disc, you can do it again and again and again, and it just becomes easier. And it's not to the point where every time it's so bad, like I said, I've suffered a herniated disc. The first time I did it, it was horrendous. It's like uh, debilitating like pain and you can't move your back. And a player like him is so dynamic. You can see how that could be extremely difficult. And like I said, like you feel fine. And then, you know, maybe five months later, you, you know, he get bumped on a spin move or something and he could re-aggravate the injury. So you want to make sure that you're 100% back. And ironically back uh, you you need to get your core to be really really strong so it can withstand that movement it can feel really stabilized so yeah i think if ben does play and i think we've talked about this in the past he's probably not going to be 100 percent this year regardless so there is you know that option too is maybe they just are like hey we need to get your back right for next season you're a young player but i wouldn't rule out the idea of him he could feel good in a week and then potentially you know get some ramp up and then be ready to play a few games before the season ends and then get in the postseason. Like I said, I wouldn't expect him to be, you know, a star level player, but he at least would be a high level role player and provides you, you know, something out there. Who would have thought Nick, the optimistic one on the Brooklyn buzz, especially when it comes to people that are from Australia. Normally <laughs> that's my job, but I, 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 saw, I remember hearing about like Draymond Green's injury and I think he had a similar back injury in terms of his herniated disc. I think he missed, you know, something like, you know, one or two months, I think two months, sorry, yeah. um, in terms of his sort of injury and when Ben suffered this or, or when it sort of is, is ramping up, you know, happened at the trade deadline, if that's ho hopefully... Well, I when think it the confusing thing too, Jack, is, is like, yeah, sure, he like had the back stuff, but how bad did he re-aggravate it during the ramp up? Is it something that he like, you know, he was feeling really good and then, you know, the end of February, he injured it more and then all of a sudden he had to go back to square one. That's That's the information that we don't have and that's the real mystery because if he's like a few weeks into his rehab, then you feel more confident. But if he just suffered this or this re-aggravation became at the end of February or last week, then you're really, really, excuse me, concerned. Prepare for another ramp up. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, and it's going to be a slow ramp up. And I don't mean that it's like a shot at the Nets. It's just how it is. Because like I said, it's such an easy thing to just kind of screw up again. It is. And, and hopefully 
Look, I'll be happy to see him for for a game or two before the end of the year. But again, my optimism is continuing to wane. Some, it seems to me to be we are sort of emblematic of the dichotomy of Nets Twitter and Nets fans. There are some that are out there. Look, it could happen. Don't rule it out. And I'm just like, nah, it's over. Uh, give me Katie and Kyrie, and hopefully Eric Adams actually does something in relation to to the mandates and such. But that's something to keep an eye on, as is the the ramp up situation with Ben. But we got KD, and I'm pretty goddamn happy about that. And I mean. Potentially Kyrie, like we had some optimism in that same Shams report that he could, you know, be back as well. So if Kyrie and Katie are back, you have a chance to win a championship. Again, you're not the favorites, but with those two on the court, you have a chance to be any team in a seven game series, regardless of who it is, just because of how good those players are. And you have to love the fact that a lot of role players are starting to hit their peak. Nick Claxton, Bruce Brown, you know, Seth Curry's playing great before the ankle injury. Hopefully he's okay. We need to get Patty maybe going a little bit more, but a lot of positives for this Nets team. And like this, this is arguably one of the biggest home wins of the season, if not the biggest. No, definitely. And and he's hoping we we also don't see uh, an extended period for Seth Curry. But Nick, I'm going to play myself off because they're already doing it here at work. The students are starting to arrive. Absolutely awesome win. Absolutely awesome pod. Nick will be back after the break because I think he's going to recap and add a few more details to this pod. So stay tuned, guys. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And just touching on the last few players for tonight, not really much more to jump into. Goran Dragic, solid game from him. Seven points, three of 11 from the field, one of five from three, seven assists, three rebounds, three turnovers, plus four. Again, just that stabilizing presence on the floor, playing point guard, understanding what he needs to do out there defensively. He's been okay as a net, and I think we'll take that. And, you know, the one thing you want him to clean up probably is that late turnover in the fourth quarter and maybe took – one too many shots in that second quarter as well. But overall, solid game from him. Uh, James Johnson, I think a solid performance. Didn't get asked to do too much. Finished with two points. Uh, one or two from the field. Five rebounds, two assists. Played about 18. Obviously, defensively gives you a little bit of versatility. And like we've kind of preached about James Johnson for the last month or two, in a smaller role, his minutes can be acceptable and he can have you know positive impact on the floor. And moving over to the rookie, Cam Thomas, played about 13 in this one, finished with four points, two of four from the field, two rebounds, one assist, one steal. And the most positive thing I can say about Cam is that he's starting to move better. Seems like he's gotten over that back injury he suffered against the Celtics a few weeks ago. His mobility seems to be back on point. And I think it's easier to see defensively. You know, it's not like he was great in this game, but he's moving just better laterally out there on the floor. So overall... Like I talked about with Jack, just 
a really great win for the Nets, a momentum-building win, and they continue to just try to get things right and get on track for the postseason. Obviously, two big matchups coming up, one against Memphis on Wednesday. Then you got Miami on Saturday, and then I believe the next game is also Charlotte. So this three-game stretch is going to be huge. Hopefully, the Nets can continue winning and build another winning streak and you know set themselves up to have a really good shot in the postseason and potentially you know get out of that playing game. I think the sixth seed is within range. I wouldn't say it's likely, but as of tonight, three games behind the Cavs, and you know there's a chance they could make it up given how the Cavs have been playing. Obviously, Toronto's in between them, but the Raptors have been a little bit inconsistent. They've been hot of late, but they've had stretches where they haven't been great. So interesting to kind of keep an eye on for the final stretch of the season. But as always, big thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure you check the buzz on all stream platforms.